is Bloomberg Surveillance. I think that the world's markets and global economies are maturing. There are numerous peaks I see. By raising rates, the Fed will be signaling to everybody, businesses, individuals, everybody, that the economy is in better shape and normalizing. The problem with low interest rates is a stimulant. It puts all the focus on the benefits of borrowing and takes away focus from the benefits of saving. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning. It is 7 a.m. on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keene. It's 7 p.m. in Manila. Congratulations to tough-talking Rodrigo Duterte. He wins the presidency there. They call him Duterte Harry. He's a guy who has threatened to uh, bring the hammer down on crime in the Philippines. It is a big deal for them. Some people compare him to Donald Trump, except that he actually has government experience as a longtime politician there. But it's going to be an interesting period ahead for the Philippine government, already talking about uh, taking power away from Manila. Philippine stocks higher, the peso higher, uh, in general, higher around the world today. In Europe, the stock 600 is up by four points, one percent. The DAX is up by 83 points. That's eight-tenths gain in London, a 36-point gain for the FTSE, six-tenths of a percent. Here in the U.S., futures are also higher, seven points for the S&P, three-tenths, four-tenths gain for Dow E-mini futures. They're up 64. NASDAQ 100 E-mini is up 13 points, a three-tenths gain as well. The dollar is higher Today, the DXY index, 94.344, a uh, two-tenths percent gain. The yen falls to 109.15, the euro 113.63, the pound 144.22. That's a problem for Bill Dudley, it seems. He notes that uh, more than half U.S. currency in circulation is held abroad. He made a speech in Europe today. Countries have built huge forex reserves in dollars, which means they buy U.S. bonds. Ten-year note yield today, 1.76%. The five-year, 1.21%. 72 basis points for your two-year. Dudley's concern is that uh, the value of the dollar and bonds are affected by a lot more than U.S. fundamentals. Jeffrey Rosenberg is chief fixed income strategist at BlackRock. Uh, Jeff, looking at what Bill Dudley had to say today, can we say that bond prices and bond yields accurately reflect the U.S. economy? And is that a problem if they are being pushed around by investors overseas? You know, it's an interesting perspective because I think it it, it flips on its head the fundamental issue of debt and, and the value of the dollar because the fundamental uh, issue uh, that I think explains why the financial markets are so concerned about about the dollar is is that we have to appreciate that the world's reserve currency is the dollar. So whether we like it or not, that the Fed is not just able to manage monetary policy with respect to the domestic economy. They also have to consider the impacts for the rest of the world. And one of the main impacts for the rest of the world is that most of the rest of the world's dollar, about 70% of the world's indebtedness, is denominated in dollars. So what the value of the dollar is for the rest of the world matters. And here's the really key point, Mike, is that when the dollar goes up, for us in the U.S., that has some impact, has some impact on inflation, on earnings, but the main impact is felt by the rest of the world, because when the dollar goes up, the rest of the world's indebtedness effectively goes up. That means it's that much harder to pay back their debt. 
Well, so where do you see the dollar going? Is it going to continue to trade higher as we talk about a Fed rate increase, and is that going to rebound against the global economy? No, I see the dollar uh, more sideways here. You know, we had the big theme over the last two years, the policy divergence, the expectation, meaning that the expectation that the Fed was going to raise rates while the rest of the world wasn't. Higher interest rates in the U.S. raises the attractiveness of holding fixed income in the U.S. That raises the value of the dollar. And you saw in anticipation of this long-awaited policy divergence, which finally showed up at the end of last year in the form of the Fed raising interest rates by 25 basis points, when everybody else was doing the opposite, you saw markets anticipate that with nearly a 25% increase in the value of the dollar. So much of that shift in relative monetary policy across the world is already impacted in the dollar. I think the big moves going forward, are, there's not going to be a, that repeat in terms of that kind of big move. And, and, and what we've seen in the last six weeks, so except with the exception of the last six days or so, is that the dollar has been weakening. And it's been weakening because you pulled back on the expectations for how fast the Fed's going to raise rates. And positioning in markets was way too overexposed to the expectation that the, Fed, that the dollar well, would go Well, kind up. of the bottom line question of where this gets to is, is how much control does the Fed have over where the yield curve in the United States is going to be? Well, you know, the Fed has pretty good control over the yield curve in the U.S. in the front end, right? So when we talk about monetary policy, when we talk about traditional monetary policy, that's setting the front end very short-term interest rates. What unconventional monetary policy has been about is about influencing, uh, some people might say controlling or uh, dictating the long longer end of the yield curve. And unconventional monetary policy allows the Fed the scope to do that. You know, there's a bit of a policy debate uh, about what should the next Fed policy be. And one of those policy choices is setting interest rates, fixing interest rates. But now we're talking about fixing interest yeah. rates on the long end of the yield curve. And the Fed can do that. They've yeah. done that in the past. I've got a twist there I want to get to in a minute. Jeffrey Rosenberg with us with uh, BlackRock. Futures were up more earlier, up six right now. Again, the VIX trading 14 0.23. That's an extraordinary number uh, on uh, the VIX. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning brought to you by Invesco. Factor-based strategies can help investors focus on high-quality, low-volatility, and more. Learn more at Invesco.com slash high-conviction. Jeff Rosenberg is a, something we've talked a lot to Peter Fisher about over the years, and Mr. Trump has talked about this a little bit, and others extending the duration of our debt. You mentioned that the Fed controls the yield curve, I get all that, and, you know, th th that's great. But if we wander back out to a 10-year benchmark being a 12-year benchmark, I mean, if we extend duration of, of debt, what does that do? It's an interesting, it's a loaded question. So it's just a couple of things. The Fed, what I want to say is the Fed can control the yield curve. The markets obviously have a huge impact in that. And then the global influences on the yield curve also impact. The Fed hasn't deployed its full arsenal of control if it wanted to. Uh, it, 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 it could certainly do that out the yield curve. Some debate about whether or not how um, effective that might be. But to the impact on the issuing side, what does Treasury do in terms of finance? 
pricing. That's a trade-off between today's interest expense and tomorrow's interest expense. And every individual household faces this decision when you think about, do I have a fixed-rate mortgage or do I have an adjustable-rate mortgage? Adjustable-rate mortgage benefit is lower interest expense today because I have lower – I have a floating rate, and that floats off of a shorter maturity. I'm going to cash this coupon, Mike. I've got this bond (laughs) sitting at home. The French May of 2066 – May of 2066, the yield is one and three quarters percent. You expect to be around till 66? Yes, priced at a discount to yield 1.80% for 50 years, 5-0. Mike, we got to do that. Well, there 2066. Is, there's, a, there's a lot of talk about, uh, Jeff, the, the f- Treasury should be terming out uh, its holdings, but they've been doing that. And, of course, the Fed's been buying them all up. Uh, is there any call for more issuance at the very long end, 30 years or even beyond for the U.S.? Because you've got the French doing these 40-year things. Sure. The, the, and the Treasury the, the treasury management of the debt stock is they don't want to dramatically change the issuance patterns. There's been a slow extension of the average maturity. But the, there's a trade-off that I was mentioning before, which is if I, if I go out and issue, while those yields are exceptionally low, the, the, the trade-off is it does increase today's interest expense relative to having a shorter maturity profile. So the Treasury is trying to balance – uh, stabilizing the market expectations for what does the debt issuance look like and managing today's interest expense. And certainly the calls for extending the, the, the debt is because you're at historic levels of interest rates and like any yeah. individual would benefit from locking <clears throat> that in. The, the offset of that is that you end up paying higher interest expense today yeah. for that benefit. That's the key point. And, and that's a calculation treasury and, walks and, through. And constantly. that has a budget, and that has a budgetary impact. And that budgetary impact is a, a part of the part of the political debate. Jeffrey Rosenberg with us with BlackRock. We'll continue this discussion. I want to migrate back to real year yields and the financial repression that so many, uh, particularly the elderly, are facing now. It just continues and continues. That is certainly not news, but it's always something uh, worth discussing. Also, a data check. Futures up five. They've retreated up 12 earlier, up five right now. Dow futures up 46. Oil churns, I mean that. on West Texas, Brent 44.06, and gold uh, pulling back as well, 12.66 the ounce. So some real gyrations, just a most odd time with a lot of gloom equity notes I've seen in the last uh, number of days. Yen, 109.08, that's maybe the big mover on the Bloomberg terminal, a weaker yen over the last six, seven trading sessions, uh, 109.07 on yen. 7.10 on Wall Street. Time for uh, Bloomberg Surveillance News Update brought to you by BMW Mount Kisco. Visit BMWMountKisco.com. Here's Michael Barr. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Republican John Kasich isn't expressing enthusiasm for being Donald Trump's running mate. The Ohio governor is said to be on a short list to run with the presumptive Republican presidential nominee. Trump also had Florida Senator Marco Rubio on the list, too. But Rubio, in a statement posted on Facebook, says, I have never sought, will not seek, and do not want to be considered for vice president. The storm that spawned tornadoes in Oklahoma that killed at least two people could settle in the Ohio and Tennessee valleys today. 
He was held for three years by the Taliban in Afghanistan. Today, the son of a former Pakistani prime minister has been rescued. Pakistan's foreign minister says a joint raid by U.S. and Afghan forces rescued Ali Haider Ghilani, who was found safe today. Global News, 24 hours a day. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? And Michael, thanks so much. With Jeffrey Rosenberg of BlackRock, a discussion on fixed income, a discussion on disinflation, a discussion on financial repression. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by the Town of Hempstead Industrial Development Agency. Find out how to put the Town of Hempstead IDA to work for your business. Call 1-800-593-3870 or visit tohida.org. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by the accountants and advisors at Eisner Amper. Cybersecurity is on the mind of every business leader. Managing cyber risk should be too. Get started with a cyber risk assessment. Learn more at EisnerAmper.com slash cyber risk. We're watching some headlines crossing the Bloomberg Allergan to buy back up to $10 billion worth of shares. Stocks, meanwhile, are rising around the world as oil prices climb toward $44 a barrel and base metals clawed back some of Monday's losses. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-Mini Futures up five points. Dow E-Mini Futures up 46. And NASDAQ E-Mini Futures up seven. DAX in Germany's up four tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury down three thirty seconds. The yield 1.76%. NYMEX crude oil is little changed now. It's at $43.44 a barrel. COMEX gold also little changed at $12.66.50 an ounce. The euro $1.1366. The yen $109.06. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Tom and Mike. Uh, thanks so much, Karen. It is a wonderful time to talk about getting too narrow. Jeffrey Rosenberg with us with BlackRock. Um, not, you're, you're in like the fixed income division, right? Yes. But your great skill is you spread things out. I think of your colleague Robert Sinch from years ago in crime, now at Amherst Pierpont. And the magic of Bob Sinch and the magic of Jeff Rosenberg is you don't stay narrow. You look across asset classes. It seems like right now that's more important than it's really ever been in my time. You know, you know it has been. Certainly we, we went through the global financial crisis, and, and it's been a, a market where macro issues can dominate and, and have dominated. And, and the big macro story today is, is China. And, you know, interestingly, in, in, in looking at the headlines and what people are talking about, I don't think people are talking enough about that People's Daily article yesterday. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I thought the same thing. It, Discuss it, that. It's, it's incredibly important. You know, we, when we follow Mario Draghi or Janet Yellen, we have incredible transparency to policymaking. When it comes to China, we don't have the same degree of transparency. And the manner in which they communicate their policy is in often cases the third time that we've seen this authoritative person sort of approach taken out of the official mouthpiece of their state-controlled media. And that's really important because it, there there's a, a policy being signaled. And the policy that's being signaled is, is a change with regards to expectations or trying to manage expectations around the credit growth. Now, what, what 
financial markets and participants, I think, have realized is that mid-February, on February 11th, we hit a low point. And why we hit that low point had a lot to do with concerns around China. And then we had a policy intervention by China, and that had a lot to do with the rally. And the rallying's petering out. And while there are many things that are going on, one of the big macro stories here is really the success of bringing back growth expectations from those traditional credit channels. And what that article was talking about is don't expect that to continue uh, forever. There are limits to how much credit-fueled growth can drive growth in China, drive growth in commodity prices, and that's a, that's a major story here for macro investing. But, but when does that hit? That's the question. The Chinese seem to have seem to be doing what the Europeans are so good at, and that's kicking the can down the road. They've made things okay for 2016, but once they start cleaning up the mess they've created, how badly does that affect the world? I mean, do you, do you have to position yourself now for that? Well, th- th- there's two things in terms of when it hits. It, it hit yesterday. I mean, the Shanghai was down almost 3%. The rest of the market seemed to ignore it. And I think, again, that goes to this concept of this isn't an official policy statement from a recognizable official. People don't know exactly how to interpret that. And so there's a bit of a, 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 bit of a debate. But we'll see this show up in the next month. We'll see it show up in the next quarter in terms of what we see coming out of China in terms of credit growth, what we're seeing already in terms of the impact of the clampdown on the speculation in Chinese traded commodities. You're seeing that already in financial markets. So this stuff shows up. Now, the bigger picture stuff, Mike, is really about the long-term story, which is the credit the, the, the hangover after the party, the implications of all the credit growth and how much of that credit growth has been good and how much of it has led to losses and the recognition of those losses. Mike, here's the People's Daily quote that uh, Mr. Rosenberg's talking about. After comprehensive judgment, our economic recovery cannot be U-shaped, cannot be V-shaped, but will be L-shaped. That from Zero Hedge. Mike, what's L-shaped? In China, I, I thought I was I, I don't confusing. No, yeah. Within that uh, quote, well, I just that's your hockey stick, that. I think. Well, yeah, what you what you don't want is L shaped on the way down, where you yeah. fall a lot and then you just stay flat. But well, if I if I can just throw in, you know, L shaped means that they're stabilizing at this six and a half to seven percent. Yeah. So trying to dampen expectations that the growth that you saw in the first quarter coming out of the spectacular increase in credit, that's not going to be a plan to get back to higher levels of growth. But it's also saying we're not going to col- see growth collapsing. So they're trying to create a, a, an expectation okay. for stable growth. Can L-shaped. I ask you a question? Because, yeah. you're, you know, you, you and I and Mike work in a rarefied zip code. Are we just talking about a lot of macro mumbo-jumbo, which benefits the Gilded Age and the plutocracy? Where's the benefit to our listeners going, great, Mr. Rosenberg, brilliant. When does my real rate go up? So, so a big part in terms of uh, in terms of the savings impact, right? So negative interest rates. It's all been about create a wealth effect. The wealth effect mm-hmm. has some unsavory side effects that it creates distributional impacts, meaning the wealth effect benefits people who have assets and the yeah. savers. If, if you don't have enough assets, you don't have your savings in the right kind of assets that the Fed's policies are favoring, then you, then you're, then you, you can be, you can be left behind. When do interest rates finally start to go up? And why is the China piece sort of important to that is this is about the global growth environment and China hasn't been contributing. Uh, let me be clear. It contributes 
tremendous to overall economic growth, but the contribution has been falling because their growth rate has been falling. And that has led to a contribution greater towards falling inflation rather than rising inflation. And that's held down interest rates. And to the man listening on the drive-in, that's made the income available on your savings lower because there's less demand for those savings. I, 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 it, it's all I get mail on. I mean, the macro's great. People are living this in real time, including that five-year inflation-adjusted chart this morning. Jeffrey Rosenberg, with wisdom right, this morning, he is with uh, BlackRock. Mike, the theory this morning has been great. J- Mickey Levy was just brilliant. He's going to come back. Yeah. We're going to talk to him in a little bit. With Berenberg Capital Markets as well. This is most interesting. It is always interesting on economics, finance, investment, on your international relations. From New York, Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Outstanding offers are in full bloom at your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealers. Take advantage of limited-time lease and finance programs on select models this spring season. Visit MBUSA.com for details today.